Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. This podcast features the second of four webinars in the Bentonville First series, Local Government, led by Rev. Dr. Michelle Morris and Rev. Andrea Cummings, and featuring Bentonville Mayor Stephanie Orman and Judge Barry Mooring. Welcome to our Bentonville First webinar broadcast. My name is Pastor Andrea, and I am the Associate Pastor here at First United Methodist Church of Bentonville. And I'm joined by, by our, um, with our lead pastor, Michelle Morris. Through the month of um, October, our church is focusing on four key aspects of community life, getting reacquainted with who we are as we hopefully navigate out of this pandemic. And our hope is to learn about our community, and to spark new responses to needs and possibilities that are, not, that are now a part of who we are in Benville. This week's webinar focuses on local government. And joining us from our community for this discussion are two very distinguished panelists. Let's introduce them to you now. First we have um, um, to introduce is Mayor Orman, uh, Mayor Stephanie Orman. Uh, Mayor Orman was elected to served as our mayor in 2018. And prior to her service as mayor, she served two terms in, on the Bensonville City Council. Her priorities as mayor are to provide transparent, timely, and consistent communication. Since taking office, she has launched three of the city's social media outlets, started the Great Neighborhood Initiative, and started Bendale's 311 communication system connecting citizens to area services. She has an undergraduate, undergraduate de degree from the U of A and a master's degree from Southwest Missouri State. She has been married to her husband, Terry, for more than 20 years and has two children, Landry and Taylor, both in Bentonville schools. Help us welcome Mayor Orman. It's wonderful to have you. And our next panelist is Judge Barry Mooring. Uh, judge Mooring was elected Benton County Judge in 2016. In this role, he leads over 200 county employees and manages a budget of more than $20 million. Uh, the responsibilities of the county judge include overseeing the county road department, uh, planning and environmental emergency services in the county's 911 department, all county facilities and many of the internal departments, such as counting, accounting, finance, human resources, and information technology. Uh, before becoming county judge, he served two terms on the Benton County Quorum Court and spent much of that time deeply involved in the county's budgeting and finances. He and his wife, Cindy, moved to Benton County in 1999 and have three children. And thank you, Judge, for joining us today as well. Well, we want to uh, honor your time and all the all those who have joined us today. And so we're going to get right into our questions. I want to remind those who join us on Facebook Live to, um, if you have a question or comment, type those in the comment section. And if we have time at the very end, we will address those. So let's jump into it. So the first question is, and um, both you can answer it if you feel led to go first, jump in, okay? So the first question we have for you, uh, what led you to pursue a life in public service? What led you to pursue a life in public service? Would you like to go well, first? Government, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, I can go first. 
Um, so I, I get, often get asked this question and I tell them I didn't necessarily go through college and, and you up thinking that I wanted to be a mayor, um, but I've always been wanted to be engaged with our community. And really that's how I, when I first ran for city council, I um, served on my local neighborhood POA board and just tried to learn um, the issues we were seeing in the neighborhood. And then I tried to take that um, and start attending the city council meetings and learning how the city can help address those issues um, within our neighborhood and just um, grew to really want to have more knowledge and understanding of how the city works and how the city can um, um, help our residents and our citizens. And so that's sort of how I fell into it. Um, but it's, it's, it's a real passion um, for me to be involved <laughs> And if we can do that, I love local government um, because I feel like we have the most impact on our those that live, live, work, and play in our city, and we can have a daily impact on those lives. And so um, that's kind of sort of how I got into it, but it's a, it's a passion for me. Thank you. So I guess my story goes back to even to when I was in college. I went to a different U of A. I went to the University of Arizona and started to really uh, enjoy and, um, and fall in love with public policy. And in fact, after I graduated from the University of Arizona, I went and worked on Capitol Hill for four years for two different members of Congress from Arizona and really, really liked public policy. And I liked <clears throat> being a part of that. It was very fun to work on Capitol Hill. That's where I met my, my now wife, and we've been married ever since. Um, but I took quite the hiatus uh, for more than 20 years. Uh, we went back to Arizona and ultimately moved here, and I really had no interest in politics or in government for a good key part of that because we were raising our kids and doing our careers, but I always had it in the back of my mind. And there was actually a, a mentor of mine at the church there who came to me one day and said, hey, you know, knowing that you have an interest for this, there's something that you might want to consider doing, and that is running for the Benton County Quorum Court. And uh, I looked into it kind of the way Stephanie did for council, <clears throat> looked into it and decided to run for that. I thought I could have an impact on that. And uh, so ran for quorum court and served a couple of terms there before I decided I, I wanted to run for the bigger job and decided to run for, for judge. And what I really saw is county government, <clears throat> I would say, was very um, reactionary to a lot. Uh, we didn't we didn't seem to project ourselves in ways that I think we could have done a better job. And so I really kind of pledged to do more of that, whether it's with our our ambulance service and what we do from a first responder standpoint or in our facilities uh, or in our infrastructure and having a plan for roads and bridges. And so I've really enjoyed it. I, I like Stephanie, I really think the action, if you will, is at the local level feels like the rhetoric is at the national level. Uh, but, you know, when you're a mayor or when you're a county judge, you're really elected to get things done. And you are very up close with the, with the people that elected you. They're right there every single day. And I enjoy that part of it as well. <clears throat> yeah, I think one of the things that really struck me, I mean, I, I consider myself fairly savvy about civics. You know, I remember it from ninth grade. Um, but uh, listening to or reading what both of you submitted as far as part of your um, biographies, uh, I, I was really surprised and, and intrigued by the things that both of you see as priorities and also that you um, that you oversee. Um, so I would just like if you could just go a little bit more in detail, describe your work and what you do for the people of Bentonville or the people of Benton County. So. Um, again, Mayor, I guess we can we can go with you. So, what 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 do you see as your as the goal of your work? Sure. So, um, 
in the city of Bentonville, we have 12 different apartments. And so I'll kind of briefly share those with you because that gives you sort of a scope of the, the services that the city handles for um, those that live, work, and play um, in our area or in, within our city. So we have a uh, police department, a fire department, our fire department also runs our um, EMS, our ambulance service um, for the city of Bentonville. We have a roads department, um, we have a streets department, we have a uh, water department, a sewer department, we have an electric department. We're one of only 14 municipalities in Arkansas that have their own electric department. Um, and then we have some internal, depart we have a parks and rec department um, that's very visible and, uh, and the library is also falls under the city. Um, and then we have some internal uh, departments, an IT department for security cybersecurity reasons and, and different and to run all of our software programs. And then also we have a, a legal department and accounting department. So those are sort of the departments within the city that we touch. I'd like to point that out because sometimes people, um, if you've moved from a different area, the city may be over the education system or in different areas. And that's not the case um, in the city of Bentonville. So there's a separate education board of education um, that handles our, our, our school system. So that's separate. Um, in the city. And so kind of like to give an overview of those services. I'm, I'm responsible for uh, the proposed budget and, and it has to be required by law to have a balanced budget um, at the city level. And so one of my biggest responsibilities is to propose that budget, get that budget passed through. We have an eight member city council. Um, and so that we, um, and we have to pass that through them. Um, and again, make sure that it's about, but that's probably my biggest responsibility. Um, I'm over all the day-to-day -day sort of operations and, and activities. Most of the time I'm in uh, meetings, one-to-one um, -one meetings, just getting updates on everything. So like this morning, um, we had a transformer blow um, just outside of the library here. So people were down for electric. So um, those will be the sort of things that um, are, will be coming across my um, email on those days, but um, uh, in general, I'm over the day-to-day -day operations for each department and corresponding with them on a, on a daily basis um, and then delivering the budget. And then, like I said, we have an eight-member city council. So any large purchases um, or policies or ordinances, they, it's all run through our city council um, and approved by them. So could you have a general idea of what we do on a daily basis of the city? Yeah, I, I, I think now I understand why our internet may have been disrupted a little bit at the church when I was we mentioned the transformer. I was like, oh, that might have explained things. So. On that note, we have a 99.9999% reliability rating, so that doesn't happen very often, and it also usually comes up pretty quickly so yeah well we we, we were we were to say that <laughs> yeah we were notified that it would be like 242 before it was fixed and it was and before we practically got that word spread in the building it was done we were taken care of so, so that is our work that's our text power program so you're going to give me another opening um if you are a electric customer um, you can sign up for that text power and it will, it'll notify you that we we are aware of the outage and hopefully a time when that when it will be repaired so Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm going to sign up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Judge, why don't you expand a little bit more on yeah. or explain so, so, how you end up over everything there? Sure. Well, there are some similarities and then there's some key differences between county government and city government. Some of the similarities are 
Uh, I operate in a chief executive role, much the way Mayor Orman does uh, over at the city, overseeing a lot of those internal functions, those finance, accounting, IT, uh, HR. And much like the city, uh, a big part of my job is overseeing the budget and all expenditures. So I'm responsible for everything that gets spent at the county, but I can't spend anything without the approval of our quorum court, which approves our budget and approves any budget amendments, much the way a city council functions for a city. So in that respect, uh, we're somewhat similar. Where we're different is that at the county, uh, we're a subgroup of the state. So we're a subdivision in the state of Arkansas back to the constitution. And therefore we have other duties besides what a city would have. And those duties are typically overseen by other elected officials. So right now you may have seen the, the signs out there that you, you got to pay your taxes by October 15th. Well, that's a process that involves an elected county collector that involves the assessment valuation of your property by an, an elected assessor. Uh, and then that involves the disbursement of those funds. Once we collect them, we collect all the funds in the county and then we disperse them to the cities and the school districts. So those are three other elected officials, for example, who I work with as part of a team. The other more prominent and, and probably maybe even the most prominent elected official in county government is the sheriff. So uh, in cities, police chiefs are appointed by the mayor typically. Uh, and in the county, the sheriff is elected by the people just the same way the, the county judge is. And the sheriff has responsibilities across the entire county, but for law enforcement, usually that's really the, the purview of the, of the local city police departments. But we also operate the jail on behalf of all the cities. And that's that's actually a big part of our responsibility at the county is the operation of the jail. And so uh, we're actually in, in a way different, in a way the same. I also have a road department, by the way. Uh, we have about 1,500 miles of road in unincorporated Benton County. That's like driving from here to Key West, Florida. Uh, we have 79 people to take care of them. And so that's a, that's a, a major issue as well. And the way we do our roads, of course, is a lot different than a city does. The, the city, particularly Bentonville, does a great job and planning out their transportation system. And then they have standards for all of those roads that include sidewalks and curb and gutter and widths and, and bike lanes. Uh, we, we, we're not quite as formal out in the county. Our, our job is to make sure that emergency vehicles can get to places, that school buses can get to places. And sometimes that means we're just improving a dirt road. And occasionally that means we're paving a new road. So our road system is a big part of what we oversee as well. Thank you both. So the next question is um, pandemic related. We're in a pandemic, right? <laughs> so um, how has a pandemic um, um, affected your work? And uh, were some challenges there and ways you had to where and how have you had to, been, to be practice innovation um, to do your job um, better or to make it work for the city? Sure. So for us, I always tell people, we didn't really have, you know, we have some disaster playbooks and different things. We didn't really have a pandemic playbook to just pull out. So to be honest with you, um, we're really good, I think, at triaging and finding resources in the city of Bentonville. Um, but a pandemic means we're keeping everybody separated and, and we're the cleaning the protocol. And so it was very different um, than what we were used to. Um, and so we really had to come up with our own um, playbook and depending on the facility or the workforce or the crew. So a lot of our, a lot of our um, employees are what they call essential employees. And so we never really shut down in the city. So whether it was police or fire and EMS, I mean, those, 
those our EMS were getting the calls for COVID patients. They go into the actual home of COVID patients. I said it's even harder for those, I think, because they're going into a situation that doesn't have um, the protocols of cleaning and different things when they go into a home if they know it, they have a COVID positive patient. So really putting in protocols with that. Um, we have uh, some major facilities that are very public uh, facing. Our library is one of those. So you can imagine the um, we had to put the protocols in place to kind of shut down and then protocols to reopen. So the cleaning processes for every one of those books so that gets touched that now had to have a cleaning process. You can imagine in our community center, um, which has exercise equipment and all those different things. So completely uh, sort of shutting that down and then starting those reopening phases. And again, the cleaning protocol. Um, and throughout this, you know, we were learning along with our state and uh, federal legislators on. And, and so as those standards got handed down for, for us in different uh, facilities. We were trying to stay on top of that, keep our public safe, um, but also continue to run all of those services. Um, the other services, water, sewer, electric, if you can't get clean water, you're going to have a hard time fighting a pandemic, right? So making sure that all of those crews um, continue to run and put the protocols in place to have a safe um, crew process. Um, so it was, I say for us, you know, a lot of people shut down and they worked from home. That did not happen at the city. We had very few. Now I will tell you, we learned technology, we learned Zoom. And for those individuals from the city, with this in the city that could do their meetings online, um, that's how we, we did continue. But most of our crews or most of our employees are um, physical in the nature of what they do for the city. And so they had to continue to come in and find ways to do that in the safest manner possible to continue to provide those uh, major services that our, our citizens expected, so. Now at the county, um, much the way Stephanie described it for the city, it was a complete game changer in how we operated. Um, I'll take you back to a meeting, I'll never forget it, it was March 11th, 2020. Actually, no, I'm sorry, that's a, that was a different meeting. February uh, 27th, I believe it was, 2020, we had our first meeting about this thing called COVID, and we had public health people there, and we had some law enforcement people there, and we had medical people there, and we all got around the table, and we were like, what do we need to do to prepare for this? You know, it was in Washington State then, and there were the cruise ship problems, and I'll never forget a person who I, who I have to keep nameless leaned over to me in this meeting. He said, hey, come here, come here, and leaned over, and he says, we got nothing. We have no idea what's coming. We have no direction from the CDC. We've got nothing. And he said, as you're making these decisions, you need to know that. Basically saying, there's there's no cavalry coming here. <laughs> you guys are going to have to figure this out. And so much to um, the way the city of Bentonville operated, and, and frankly, I would say nearly all the local governments operated here, all of us were challenged to figure out how do you maintain those critical operations uh, and protect your employees and protect the public at the same time uh, within the midst of a public health emergency that, frankly, nobody knew anything about. I mean, we all remember coming home and washing off our tomatoes and our cereal boxes and all that stuff. So we we did, much like the city of Bentonville, we had to crash on every single operation and sort of redefine how we did that. Things like operating a jail or a court system or keeping our dispatchers masked and separated or assessing property or holding elections. When you hold an election and everybody 
is constitutionally eligible to vote, whether they have COVID or not. Um, and it really caused us to rethink and change just about everything in that regard. There was a period of time that we did shut our buildings down to the public, um, but we made sure that all of our online capabilities made up for anything that we uh, closed down. But then there were, you know, just like in a city, a lot of 24-7 operations, whether it's dispatch or sheriff's office or the jail that had to keep going, our road department. So it was a big, um, it was a game changer. And I kind of separated into three distinct parts. I've had the opportunity to speak to some rotary clubs here lately. And that, that first part of 2020, I call that shock and awe. He uses war metaphors. The shock and awe that we were all put back on our heels trying to react on how to do this. And then I would say we started to counterattack that with the vaccines. And, and what we all did with the vaccinations, what the city did and their fire department and what we did in our emergency management became really, really important. And now we're, we're kind of in this recovery mode now. That's sort of a whole different question that we're all working through. What does a post-COVID world look like? And we're working a lot on that now as well. Thank you. I, I do have a follow-up question, I mean, follow -up, um, question uh, for you. Are there any um, processes or um, ways in which you're doing things now that um, have um, um, if, if, um, benefited you differently because of COVID? Like the innovation you had in place now pre um, previously you didn't have. Like you talk more about those processes that are make things better. Like what have you learned from um, the pandemic and the way you've done things in the past? with the innovation you've done now to make things better? Well, um, like I said, for us, definitely the, there's been um, extensive cleaning protocols. Now I will tell you that having a clean city has always been a major priority for the city of Bentonville, but you know, we maintain all the public restrooms and different things and facilities. So like just the protocol on some of that and the safety and the um, just cleaning protocol um, has been stepped up um, even more. And so that's a, something um, that I think is not always talked about. Now, certainly from a technology standpoint, from uh, meetings with Zoom, and I will tell you, the city was not set up for remote work. Um, so that was another um, challenge for us. So those, those are the employees that could work from um, home. We really didn't have the infrastructure, the computer infrastructure, or the, um, cyber, the cybersecurity piece of that. Um, so we've had to do a lot of work in those areas um, to to upgrade um, for for those areas. Now, I think it makes us better. It made it, it's made us better um, in the ability to connect with different departments. As the city has grown, um, it's always challenging with growth because your departments tend to get a little more siloed because they're growing, right? And so, um, I will say that some of the technology through Zoom and and meeting technology has actually helped us come back together, connect and connect, even when we're in a pandemic where we're trying to keep people separated. So um, some of that piece of it, I, I think it's been good for us to go through and understand how we can still connect through technology and not have to be in the same room. And um, now all of our, you know, we're, we're government. So all of our public meetings, <laughs> that's another been something that's been a, uh, definitely uh, something we've had to adapt. Um, We've had to technology-wise be able to run those Zoom meetings, be able to get the public comment. Um, and so there's a lot more that now goes into our meetings for prepping them. It's not just people showing up with the agenda and 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 being able to do the comments there. Managing those comments, we do a hybrid, so you can come in person or you can come on Zoom. Um, but 
through that, you have to be able to manage the technology and you have to be able to manage the access for the public to be able to give their comments. And I will say sometimes that's challenging. Sometimes a microphone doesn't work or somebody can't hear a microphone. So it's, it's definitely been different um, for us to manage through that. But we've learned a lot and, and hopefully we're a lot better at it. Thank you. I'd say one of the uh, one of the first and most obvious things that changed for us is how we handle inmates. And pre-COVID, you know, we still brought the buses full of inmates down for court down to downtown Bentonville, and you probably will never see that going forward. Probably only for jury trials, but not for arraignments and things like that. So that's that's just one practical example. But there, to Stephanie's point, there there are lots and lots of examples. How we manage elections now will probably always be different. We will probably have more uh, absentee and vote by mail uh, and early voting than we ever had before. Um, the way that um, the way that the crowd is handled through an election will probably always be different. Uh, the way we're designing courtrooms and buildings going forward has changed. Um, and probably one of the biggest thing, things that we'll have is we're, we're designing a new intake triage center out at the jail. That'll substantially change how we are able to handle a pandemic out there. The hottest spot in the whole county at one point in time was the Benton County Jail for a period of time. I, Sheriff Holloway called me one day and he said, well, we've got some positives. We think we've got a couple of dozen. And then he called me a couple of days later and he said he's got 300. And we were on the phone with the governor that night trying to figure out what to do. And they had their own problems at the state penitentiaries. And so we've got to make some modifications in some of our buildings, like at the jail, as a, for example. But I think there are a lot of things that we will do differently. Um, our IT team, for example, works almost completely from home or actually at their specific locations where they've got to do physical work. But our IT team is basically a remote team that, that crashes when they have to run cable or things like that. They come in and do that. So there'll be some things that will always be different now in the way we operate at Benton County. Thank you. I don't know if this was an innovation of, of the pandemic or if this is just really efficient Bentonville government before I got here. Um, but as, as you know, my United Methodist pastors, we move around. I've been in several counties now, lived in several counties and I just had to go do the, I got to transfer my, my driver's license, my, you know, get my car tags, all of that fun stuff. And I went to the DMV here and best process ever. Um, most efficient. I, I, I mean, the longest thing was waiting for them to call my number and then otherwise everything was taken care of so quickly. And normally I had had to run to, from this office to that office, to this office, to that office in other, in other counties. Like I said, I don't know if that was a, an innovation of the pandemic or just Bentonville is just awesome, but congratulations. And thank you to, <laughs> to the, to the efficiency of the government systems. Um, so, so you guys, we have talked through some of the innovations, but now as we're hopefully, like I said, coming out of the pandemic, um, what do you think are some of the most significant challenges that our, our town and our county face going forward? You want me to go? I, I, I can go. Um, well, as it relates to the pandemic, I'll tell you uh, what became readily apparent at the beginning of this is that from a public health standpoint, we were not prepared particularly with disaffected communities. And so the way the pandemic rolled through the Marshallese population and the Latino population was, was really, I think, emblematic of, 
of really we hadn't had a role in public health at the county level. Now, there's the Benton County Health Department, but that's a division of the state. And so what was exposed were, I think, some real um, cracks in our public health infrastructure. Since, since that has happened and since that time, um, we've dedicated a lot of effort to getting involved with that community. Uh, between last year and this year, we have over $80 million in federal dollars that we've gone for in one way, shape, or form. Some of it, like the American Rescue Plan, just, you know, all you have to do is fill out a form and you get it. But in other instances, we've been very, very aggressive in partnering uh, primarily with UAMS in providing health literacy plans and community health workers into those communities, both looking at what happened with COVID and how to, how to help with COVID going forward, but with other public health issues, just so that those populations are more integrated into the overall public health infrastructure here. I think the pandemic really revealed big needs on that front and with the overall healthcare infrastructure as, as a, as an, as a region, we are understaffed on nurses. We are understaffed on doctors, on specialists, on healthcare infrastructure generally. And these aren't, these aren't necessarily issues that the county has taken on in the past, but we've been uniquely positioned in the past six to eight months or so to play a more active role. And so, you know, that's something that we've been working on um, very aggressively directly as a result of, uh, of what happened with COVID. Um, well, I would echo all those sentiments as well. Um, I think in general, um, the city is, is growing at a rapid pace. You know, at one point we were the fifth fastest growing city. I think we're still in that, um, in the U.S., I think we're still in that um, range. So um, workforce is a challenge for us right now um, to get all of these infrastructure um, projects in place um, to be able to handle the growth. Um, you know, we're under all kinds of um, permits. So whether it's a uh, permit for water or sewer there's a lot of requirements within that and if you can't meet the capacity needs um you're going to run into issues with your permitting and other things and so all of these things sort of trickle down so if we don't have the the workforce to be able to get the infrastructure in place um for the growth um it's going to be a real a real that will continue to be a challenge i think for us um uh one of the things we learned throughout this is people still wanted to <laughs> Bentonville and still want to live in Bentonville and so roads um like I said water sewer electric all of those utilities um we have to find ways to make sure we can get those projects um not only we were fortunate to get a bond extension passed even in the middle of a pandemic which I say thank you to the public for for trusting us to be able to to um have funds to be able to put these projects but now we we face the challenge of a, a workforce. We also face a challenge right now. Um, I think you're seeing definitely um, supply issues um, to get the infrastructure um, and the uh, materials to build. And then I think you're seeing a cost, you know, some inflation costs that are going to be challenging um, for all of those projects. Um, so uh, I don't know. It's a little bit of a we're excited that people continue to want to move to Bentonville because we hope that we're producing the quality of life that people want to see. We're seeing a lot of, you know, remote workers want to move here and different things. So we feel like we're producing um, a city or an environment that people still want to come to um, with growth. You, you always want to be on the side of growth, in my opinion. However, there's always uh, certain challenges, and especially at the pace that we're growing, um, those challenges are are extensive.
Yes. Well, that was a segue to the next question. That was um, the last part of your response kind of hit on it. Like, you know, what are the exciting possibilities ahead of us as we are looking um, um, to come out of the pandemic? We're, we're still in it, but we see glimpses of, you know, some normalcy there. Um, and then, like you said, that um, folks are still wanting to come here. Both me and Michelle both moved during the pandemic to this great city. And so um, um, to know that we have this growth here is exciting. But um, so hear that. So if you have anything you want to add more to some exciting possibilities ahead of us, you can share that, uh, Mayor Orman. But Barry, um, what do you think? Well, you know, to, 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 Mayor, to Mayor Orman's point, we're the 40th fastest growing county in the country out of over 3,000 counties. Bentonville is one of the huge reasons why. And, um, you know, I kind of, I'm part of the County Judges Association and of the 75 county judges in Arkansas, I get to work on the best problems. There's no doubt. They're all related to growth though. Almost every major issue we have is related to growth. Um, and that is exciting, but that is also uh, a challenge. And so from a county perspective, you know, we're, we're much more kind of a meat and potatoes infrastructure kind of functioning government the city, you know, they get to do all the fun stuff. They get to do all the parks and they get, you know, they get to have, we don't have tulips um, as an example. They get to do a lot of fun stuff. So our job, our job really is, is in a support function. We need to make sure that properties get assessed. We need to make sure that taxes get collected and dispersed. We need to make sure that courts run. We need to make sure that a jail is functioning. Um, we need to make sure that our roads and bridges are safe. So ours, ours is a little bit more in the background. Um, but, but it's an important role to support the growth that happens around here because our cities, our cities is, are really where the dynamic changes and prosperity is coming from. And our job is to support that. So we have lots of exciting things. Again, I mentioned the bond extension that the, the public um, passed that allows us to have some funding for some projects that might be a little more fun to talk about. Um, we have a quilt of parks project where we're connecting our downtown um, park. So exciting things um, you'll see happening in, in, in downtown. We also have a um, 28th Street Park that's going in, and then we have an 8th Street um, Gateway Park that's going to be going in with, um, you know, the the technology and the different and things, um, just the play value and different things you can uh, now see. Uh, I think you'll see lots of exciting new uh, things maybe you've not seen in, in another park um, coming to some of those. So I think those are all fun things to look forward to. Um, the library is going to be doing the expansion. So they um, have some exciting things coming here. We now have a um, study um, uh, underways for a adult wellness um, center. So there are just a lot of exciting things. We are fortunate um, also that we do have um, private um, individuals that uh, really like to see our trails grow and continue to be connected. And so not only is our community supportive of it, but we also have some um, some friends in that realm that like to see those things happen as well. So I would also say kudos to our private um, partners in a lot of things. And, and you, and I will say that the city of Bentonville, we have a lot of uh, private public partnerships and that's something you don't always see in every city. Um, but it has really been a benefit for us to enhance the things and the quality of life that we um, have in the city. So um, let's see, I, I think those are some of the major things, but lots of, Things Now, the only thing I would ask the public is you are going to see construction in the city of Bentonville. So we need a little grace around the construction to get some of these things um, done and put in place for you. But um, lots of exciting things. It's a really good city to be a part of right now. And um, 
we just appreciate the public. We're doing a lot more public input too. And so we're getting a lot more feedback from the public of what they want to see. I mean, it's your community. And so we want to try to make sure we're building that into everything as well. Now that kind of leads to um, really what we were going to ask is how do you need the the public to be involved? I mean, you mentioned several things that you could do, but what are some, what are some of the other things that would be helpful um, to get involved? For instance, it looks like we got a, a question um, asked how the, how the community can help alleviate healthcare concerns for the county, for instance. But what are some ways that you would love to see um, our public get involved? You want to take the healthcare on the county question, and so I'm, I'm, you know, it's interesting. One of the things when when I ran that I really wanted to do was increase and in, improve our transparency from a county level. And so we've been very aggressive on social media. We've been very aggressive on town halls. Um, and we tried to do as much outreach as possible uh, for the public and to the public. But I'll tell you, it's tough. Um, it is it is challenging, at least from a county perspective, uh, to engage broadly with the public because of all of the other things that are going on. And in a way, that might mean things are going reasonably well, I suppose. Uh, but it is one of our ongoing challenges. And so, for example, in the healthcare realm, when we had grant opportunities, we tried to partner with those who are already very much engaged from a public perspective, UAMS being a good example of that. Um, but we do hold, you know, we've held, since I've been judge, we've held over 30 town halls, and, and now we have thousands and thousands of followers out on social media. And so we've done everything we can, and we're keeping to try, continuing to try to get the public engaged. But it you know, I don't want to fool you. It's a, it's a challenging one in county government. I think, Michelle, it kind of goes back to one of the things you said when we first got on, even maybe before we got on, and that is a lot of the public don't understand these various roles of government very well. And, uh, and a lot don't understand, and I think it rests in, in part because these things are not taught in schools anymore, but how important the school board is and how important the city council is and how important the county quorum court is to people's everyday lives. I mean, when you, when you walk in downtown Bentonville, for example, uh, and you enjoy the amenities there, that, that didn't happen by accident. I mean, that was, that was a very deliberate policy and plan to make that happen. And, um, and that's true at all, at all local levels of government. So um, I'll just echo that we have lots of boards and commissions. And so if it's something you're interested in, we everything everything from a utility board um, that helps look at all of our different utilities rates and then understanding what it takes to get whatever the water sewer to the house or the business. And so um, two, we have a parks and rec board. Um, so if you want to be more engaged with our some of the, the fun things in, in the community, um, so look for those opportunities. We try to do a two-week out application posting for um, all of our boards and commissions. We have a tree and landscape committee. We have um, a, a library advisory board. There are a multitude of um, boards and commissions in the city, and uh, we use those boards to help us with input and direction. We also have lots of, we have probably, I know we have more public input meetings than we've ever had before, so we will have public input meetings on everything from the Quilta Parks project um, to a new uh, road or an extension to a road um, or to a drainage project, we are really engaged with um, those public input meetings. And I will say technology has allowed us to have those a little easier because 
um, getting people into one room with a multitude of meetings is, can be a challenge um, in that communication. But if we can open it up to where you can be in person or on Zoom, we get more um, participation in that. We've tried to do that. So um, on the Bentonville website, there is a um, page that is boards and commissions. Um, so look through that. It should also tell you what term. Uh, so if there's positions that are that are opening up or terms that are expiring, um, and it also kind of give you the qualifications for whatever that board is. But those are all those are great ways. I also have a community council, and so they meet once a month. They learn that for for 12 months and they learn about a different department each um, month. And that gives you a really good sort of overview of each department and how a city runs. And so if you really are interested in city government, that's a really great program to apply for and, and go through. Um, we have a youth council as well. Um, and then we also have a DI task force um, that's really helping us with community conversations um, with the public. So there's a variety of ways um, to get involved. Um, with the city for sure. Yeah, I wonder if one of the side effects of the pandemic has been that people have maybe gotten a, a glimpse into how much uh, local government and local entities do have an impact. I think about, you know, when, when it was time to reopen, you know, come back to school and all the school board meetings were flooded. Right? Um, suddenly everybody had an opinion and, and was there. And it's great whenever there's, there's a, there's a hot, topic to be involved in, but really we all should, as good citizens, be involved on a much more consistent basis, right, um, and share more about this. So um, if there were any kind of closing remarks that you would love to share with the people about um, about your work or about what you see uh, about Bentonville or Benton County, what would your closing remarks be for folks today? I just tell everybody that you can impact the city in some way. And whether it's organizing a trash cleanup in your neighborhood or in your, within your apartment complex or your street, like that's an impact. That's one of the things we hear about Bentonville is how, how clean it is. And that doesn't just happen from our city employees. That happens because the community cares about it. And so you can do things like that that seem very um, simple to, you know, get, getting engaged with the board or commission, but there's a multitude of opportunities and it it really just takes you having some initiative to do it and say, I want to help in some way. Don't don't worry that you have to have 500 volunteers gathered to do something to have an impact. It doesn't always take that. And so that's kind of my message to the public is um, be engaged and be engaged in a way that, um, you know, that works with your lifestyle, but everybody can have an impact. I think that's a really, uh, a really good message. Our cities are where all those communities really are in the county. We're much more diffused. We don't have, you know, communities and neighborhoods in the county. And again, um, a key part of our job is just to help with that whole infrastructure piece to make sure that we have that infrastructure in place so that our cities can grow and that our communities can grow um, in terms of citizen involvement, we have boards and commissions as well. They do much different things than a city board and commission does. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to get people to sign up for some of ours. They're, they're not necessarily as much fun. Um, but I would say one of the huge things we have going for us in this community here right now is the leadership that's here. Uh, we all get along really well. 
and I'll give kudos to to Mayor Orman, who's also my mayor, by the way. Um, she put together when she came into office a monthly meeting, it's net Zoom meeting of all of the mayors and uh, and the county judge to talk through regional issues. And so there's a high degree of communication and collaboration happening in part because of folks like Mayor Orman and others that um, that is really, I think, causing everybody to work together in a way that I haven't seen before. And and we need that um, because the, the, the challenges that Bentonville has are some of the same challenges that Rogers has or that Bella Vista has. And so we really do try to work on those collaboratively, collaboratively and work on those together. Um, and Mayor Orman's a key part of that. I appreciate that she's put that group together. All right, we're, we're coming to the end of our time and we wanna thank our panelists for giving of your time and sharing so much about the work that you do. Um, it's great to hear because oftentimes we see, we don't see what you're doing. and. Um, we're so busy with our everyday lives, but it was great to see, um, 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 hear what's been done behind the scenes and how we can to join into doing that as well. And that's also the overwhelming things like, how do I get involved? And you've gave, given some tangible ways uh, for us to do that. Um, so thank you for that. And we're, this conversation that we're having today and um, will continue uh, on Sunday. So if you'd like to join us in person or online at either our 9 or 11 o'clock at First UMC Benville, we're right down downtown on 2nd Street. You can pass. I'm pretty sure most of you who are watching, who will watch later, have seen us. But yeah, we invite you to come and to continue on with this conversation and learn how we put that into practice through our faith as well. So invite you to continue to do that. Um, and since we're talking about coming out of a pandemic, we know we're not there yet. Um, we know we that so many are still... Um, experiencing grief. And so um, our staff and our pastors have um, um, worked to put together um, a special service that's going to happen on Wednesday, uh, November 10th between, at 6.30 p.m. And so you can um, come to our church or join us online. And um, it's called the, um, the morning service of morning and hope. Um, so again, it's an opportunity for us to name that grief and um, our music directors, um, Ray Willer, has put together a beautiful requiem uh, for COVID um, that will be, they be that evening of um, November 10th and 6.30. Um, and also Ken Rutherford, he's over our uh, worship, director, worship director for a nine o'clock service, will also offer some great music to help us to, to sit with our loss in the morning, but also um, come, um, look forward towards better days to come, come ahead. And so we are looking forward to better days. And so, and that service is open to our community. So I invite you all to come out, especially when I invite our medical workers and our first responders who have carried the bulk of this, um, the, the grief and um, have done so much for our community. And so we're gonna give space to our, um, our medical workers and our first responders and everyone in our community that needs that space to name and to find healing and uh, for the grief that we're carrying in so many ways, job loss, death, many unnamed um, losses that we have that we can't name, but we feel different. We invite you to come out um, so we can do um, as a community come together and provide, provide um, find that way of hope um, as we look for better days ahead. So again, you can join us um, during the, um, on Sundays as we continue this month. Um, looking at ways in which our community can get involved um, um, as well. 
at 9 and 11 o'clock in personal line. And November 10th, mark your calendars, November 10th at 6.30 at First United Methodist Church of Bentonville. You don't want to miss that. I want to invite you next week to come back as we continue to have another panel that will join us online um, to, to cover business. So you don't want to miss that. So we invite you to come back at 12, well, yeah, 12 o'clock to 1 p.m. next Tuesday. And I want to thank our my co-host, my co-host, Michelle. And I want to give a shout out to um, Brooke, who's behind the scenes, making sure um, that your questions um, are being answered and making sure things are going smoothly behind the scenes so we can broadcast via Facebook as well. We hope that you're inspired, those that have joined us today, but also will come back and watch this, um, this broadcast later on that you're inspired um, to get involved in our great city. There are many ways you can do that. As um, both Judge and our mayor have told us, um, it didn't take a whole bunch, just a willingness to do that and take that initiative. You don't need a whole army. You just need a couple folks and just yourself sometimes to get involved. And once we're involved in, in our community and with each other, it makes each other lives a lot better. And so we invite you to, to get jump in, jump in the game. <laughs> so blessings and peace to each of you. And uh, we pray that you and I hope that you have a great rest of the week. Thanks, everyone. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.